Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There are three chief celebrations in the church year. The first, I know you can shoot them off in an instant. Christmas and Easter, pretty simple. Pentecost is typically when asked to anybody is the last that's named and if known at all by anybody, forgotten. It's a blessing to welcome C and E Christians twice a year. But here's a question for you. Why are they not C, E, P? Why are they not Christian, Easter, and Pentecost Christians? To be consistent, right? At least they can come three times a year to celebrate the three big things of the church. Hmm, what happened? People should consider coming to the third big festival in the church year. It might be strange to find out, here's a big thing, earliest Christians dealt with Easter and Pentecost and far less Christmas. A scholar notes, beginning at least in the second century, Christians who had not been baptized at the Easter vigil service were baptized on Pentecost. The actual day of Pentecost occurred 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came, the event aligned with the Jewish festival of Pentecost. This harvest festival from the Old Testament now kind of turned and witnessed to how God would sow and harvest the gospel word to the ends of the earth. Pentecost is not for us. The story you hear today is not for us to try to recreate it. But it is about orientation. That word brings up a pretty strong image because while there are freshmen this year who are glad the first go-around with school is over with, Jesus gave the promise that the Spirit would always be at work orientating the church. This consoling gift by God goes out in faith and it abides in peace. You heard that today, how we, how we have in our Kyrie, in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. This is the work of the Spirit to be able to pray in such a manner of peace. So, what does it mean? Today, come, Holy Spirit, for the fire of your love belongs to the faithful proclamation of Christ that will not fail. Failing hearts, you must know, would be receptive, finally, to the Holy Spirit as the comforter, the greatest of all comforts. Jesus spoke of the Spirit a great deal to his disciples. You must know it happened on the final night they were together. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, he said. Beyond, you must know, as he described that night about how the world would hate them. Beyond that, heaviness and sorrow and his departure. Jesus knew the death and resurrection 
that he would bring would reorientate their whole life to the gospel. The Holy Spirit as God is also orderly. And so Pentecost came only after Jesus as the Son completed the work of the Father. It all had to come in a certain order as God planned. To be the helper, or better way to translate that word, it's not all bad, helper's not bad, but really I like the word consoler. It meant the disciples had to first. To be able to be consoled means you have to come out of something that needs to have that comforter. They had to go through the horrors of the cross and joy over the empty tomb. The hearts of men today fail. They still fail before the power of death over the rising and falling of kingdoms. And with the confusion, many times that's stirred up by the devil, hearts fail. This is nothing out of the ordinary. Don't let it be to be deceiving to you, that feeling. Hermann Sasse, a German pastor during World War II times, he declared in a sermon, the ref known as a shining triumph, but as a chain of very strenuous fights inside the church. For many, at that time, it looked like the breakdown of the church. At that time, the church hardly saw anything else. In such times, Luther learned to confess, I believe in the Holy Ghost. And he experienced what kind of comfort this faith could be. The comforter, the consoler, comes not to give a therapeutic talk, but to speak what God has given for our salvation by the gospel in every single age, no matter how it may seem or be different, it is the comforter who brings that kind of good news to the poor. The advantage of Pentecost is to know that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, St. Paul says. The Holy Spirit is at work then to apply Christ's redemption with consolation. The advantage then is to bind everything to the forgiveness of sins won by Jesus, which this Holy Spirit does, and how baptism into his name prevails. Because on Pentecost, you don't hear the whole sermon of Peter, but at the end of the whole sermon of Peter on Pentecost, he tells them to believe and be baptized. You see, no work or ability of man holds this together. For the Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Before a failing world is where the Holy Spirit contends with the gospel. So it partly can be when we're at church, but really it's about out in our lives. In your very life is where the Holy Spirit is contending. Jesus laid out how this witness by the Spirit would be evident. And it began on Pentecost. And we, when he comes, Jesus said, he will convict the world 
concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Knew about the prophet Ezekiel's words. How they showed a glimpse of the last day resurrection that would come, breathing life upon the dry bones of Israel. You heard it today. That's the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. But here's the catch. On Pentecost, the mighty works of God were to hear Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Not a slain army standing on its feet, but God's Son, the Lord, and our Savior. Against this proclamation came two things. You heard it. Came the question, what does this mean? Sounds Lutheran. And second, false accusation. They're drunk. They're out of their minds. And so it begged an answer. And Peter stood up and preached a spirit-filled word. There are many convictions as people nowadays, aren't there? Everybody's convicted about something, it seems. And so the spirit continues to contend even more with the word. God's conviction, you must know, is less heartfelt drivenness or some firm belief like we typically think of. Oh, they're passionate or they're really strong in what they believe. Well, my heart can be wrong and my belief can be very wrong in convictions. But how God's spirit works is that he will keep convicting the world by the word. It comes first with the call to repent, which the world hates to hear. We know that ourselves because we're still part of the world as the old Adam, the old sinner in us lives on. The world hates it because it finally reveals the root sin is unbelief in God. Not some morality, not some kind of messed up thing you've done. But the root sin is you don't believe in God. The first commandment, which we all fail to recognize, is the root of repentance. This conviction kills by the law. But the Spirit does this for a purpose. The Spirit, by the Word, seeks to make room for the word made flesh, for Christ, and faith in his righteousness before God, for a sinful world that does fail. But God is faithful. Even when the devil inflames the raging of this world, it only tightens the noose, proving how judgment belongs to the crucified king of glory. St. Paul declares God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing them over them in Christ. He's talking about the cross and resurrection of Jesus. There are no options of failure, for the Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of truth. You know how that goes when Jesus was crucified or before Pontius Pilate. He goes, what is truth? But truth was in God's giving, not man's seeking. This, the disciples were told 
When the Spirit came, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Think about that. We confess the Spirit's authority not as a recklessness or a wild kind of spirit, no, but having a whole character about himself, a unity. And we confess that unity because he, we say in the creed, he proceeds from the Father and the, the Son. The same character we know that Jesus himself kept up in his ministry, the Holy Spirit carries. You see? There is no contradicting the Old Testament for the Holy Spirit, but he did shine new light with the gospel fulfilled. And how did he shine that new light? Upon the apostles that Jesus elected and sent out. Not you and me, but what you heard today. Those who were with me from the beginning. The apostles that Jesus sent. In other words, God's infallible word is without error. And so the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Man's quest for truth is a great venture in this life. There's nothing wrong with discovery and learning. That's great. But whatever learned about this world still comes with fighting against the gospel. Natural man Man without Jesus, without faith that God does better than man, natural man cannot purge out everything by our will. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Because if you don't, you'll deny the gospel sooner or later. And men even become captive to darker spirits. We know this because these spirits seek to deny Christ and persecute the church. However, the Holy Spirit serves to be the guide, promising to glorify Christ and to honor the gospel witness in our lives, however that may be carried out. This happens by a power that looks like weakness to the world, but that's the point. Our Lutheran fathers say, teaching and meditation on his word. God kindles faith and other godly virtues in us. They are the Holy Spirit's gifts and works alone. The means of grace, we call them, word and sacraments, keep us tied to the Holy Spirit. And there is good fruit, as we know, God has prepared for us to do before the foundations of the world. But the Holy Spirit is the one that keeps enlivening that goodness in our lives. Being called to Christ means the spirit of truth will expose fanatical voices of New revelation, new prophets. There are none. Don't hope for those because they're not going to be there. And if they are, they're liars. He also expose, exposes the lies that reject.